talking about overwhelmed, and we talked last week about being overwhelmed. We're going to talk this week about it as well. It's second week in this series. It's actually, I'm just finishing it up for this week. It's a two-week series. Uh, so I want to welcome, let's take a second and, and welcome our online guests. God bless you guys. Welcome to the family. Good to have you with us. So we're excited about what God is doing. We've got a lot of great plans in store. This year is going to bring great promise for all of you. I believe this year people are going to get out of debt, don't you? I believe this year people are going to get free from bondages, don't you? I believe this year it's going to be relationships restored, don't you? I mean, God's going to do some great things, so we're glad you're with us today. I want to give us a little bit of information. It's going to be pretty simple that will help us from being overwhelmed. We live in a world that it seems like so many times the pressure is amazing. And what we often think, we compare with, even sometimes we don't want to, don't we? And I do it too. We look at people or other things or other churches or other businesses or whatever and compare why are we not doing this or should we do that or, or how did they do that? I wish I was doing that. And we want those kind of results. And we want to know what big things they are doing to get those kind of big results. So here's a key thought. It's often small things that no one sees that result in big things that everybody wants. I said it last week. I'm going to say it again. It's often... The small things that nobody sees that result in big things that everybody sees and everybody wants. So it's what we repeatedly do, what we consistently do, the right thing. If we're going after and doing the right thing, we consistently do that, you will get fruit, you will get results. So let's unpack this together this morning. Here's our first thought. We've got to keep doing the right thing. How many would say, you know what, Brett, I am a really highly disciplined person. You don't have to raise your hand. You can, but you don't have to. His wives are, do you raise your hand? <laughs> Let me just explain this. Um, <laughs> maybe you could say, I'm not so much, but I'm trying. We've all, we can all probably say that, but I'm going to help us out here. I bet you're more disciplined than you think. It's just the things that you're doing are giving you results in the, in the wrong areas. You're just disciplined, but not at the right things. See, we haven't looked at it maybe quite like that. So I have to make some changes. I need to, to do some more. I, I've got to do that too. I'm, I'm adding disciplines to myself all the time. I heard a, one pastor say that he adds one new discipline to himself every year. He adds a new discipline. And, you know, I'm thinking, wow. I mean, but they're just small. You know what one of them was for him? Check this out. Flossing. Yeah. <laughs> Look at the people. You all start doing this. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> Flossing. So, you know, it's just one of those things that he just said, I'm going to start doing it every. He said, this is what he said. I listened to the podcast. He goes, I hate to floss. But now, because he does it every day, it's a new discipline. He said, My breath is better. Go figure. Uh, you know, his teeth are obviously better. His smile is better. I mean, it's just a discipline that he added. It's just sometimes small things. Okay? Now, I didn't come here to talk to you about your dental situation, but <laughs> here's some, some more examples. You know, uh, I, you might say, Brett, I'm not disciplined at all. I'm overweight. I love to sleep. All I do is play video games. So let's look at that. Wow, you are disciplined. You're good at hitting the snooze button. Your thumbs and fingers are more amazing than most. And you never miss a meal. You're awesome. So we can, be, I mean, we can twist it, but sometimes we're just disciplined in the wrong things to get the wrong results that we're not looking for. 
<laughs> we need right disciplines. Discipline is simply choosing between what we want now and what we want most. What we want now and what we want most. It's that bridge that gets you to your goal. Your dreams. All of us are successful probably in some area of our life. If you have a good marriage, it didn't happen without discipline. You spend time together. You, you love each other. You talk to each other. You communicate. You, maybe you do devotions. Maybe you make sure that you don't stay mad at each other. Maybe you, know, you, you kiss each other at night before you go to sleep and you're respectful. You honor each other. You pray together. You take time and have fun. You're thoughtful. Those are, those are disciplines. Those don't just happen. You have to put your hand to that. Maybe you're successful financially. So, you know, how does that happen? Well, you understand this is what I make. I'm going to live beneath my means. I'm going to invest. I'm going to save. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. I'm going to budget. I'm going to give God first. I'm going to do all of these things. That doesn't just happen. You have to purposefully do that. Those are disciplines. But the opposite is true as well. If we don't, if we just coast through life and just kind of let the wave take us well well, let's just go with the flow i get going with the flow but if you let the flow take you everywhere you go you're going to be saying no that rhymes (laughs) yeah i know you're not taking notes on that one (laughs) any area you're not succeeding in you've got disciplines they're just the wrong ones they're not the ones that you need we have to be consistent uh so you know here's the thing this is what happens to most of us. Happened to me. I'm, I'm just going to scenario, you know. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to work out this year. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get up at the crack of dawn and all of that. And then so you do it on Monday. You do it on Tuesday, Wednesday. You know, I did it two days. I'm going to miss today. It's snowing. This has been my excuse. I don't want to walk to the garage. I'm in my slippers. <laughs> Although I do have boots. But, you know, I'm just not in them. But, uh, you know, so then it's, oh, it's kind of cold out. Well, I'm going to start fresh on Monday. Anybody ever do stuff like that besides me? You know, and I, I think that's, I'm not saying that's terrible, but I think we're all guilty of that. Um, <laughs> how about, you know, anybody start a diet and it's all good when you're full? Usually we start diets, don't we, like right when we're done eating. <laughs> that's all right. I'm going to start eating good tomorrow. <laughs> And, and then you drive by McDonald's about five hours later, and the Golden Archers are just going, huh. call your name. And, and this is what you're saying when you get in line. I started my new diet, salad, bottle of water. Going to get a salad, bottle of water. Salad, bottle of water. Hi, welcome to McDonald's. Can I take your order? Uh, double quarter pounder, large fry. Can you dip the bag in chocolate? And then those four words. Biggie size it, please. You know, those kind of things. And it, we want to do what's right. But sometimes we just don't. It's okay to have, you know, a, maybe a, a day. Like, especially if you're dieting a lot and, and you've lost some weight or you're doing whatever. And you want to have a, I think it's okay. They call it cheat days. I don't know if that's a great word for that day. But a day where you're just like, you know what, I'm, I'm off plan or I'm, I'm going to eat a little bit or that's because if you never do that, then you'll feel like, ah, oh, maybe I'm alone. No, okay, good. You're still with me. All right. This is what Paul says. But being consistent is so key. Romans 7, 15 and 16. I don't really understand myself, for I want to do what's right. 
but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate, but I know that what I'm doing is wrong. This shows that I agree uh, that the law is good. Go down to 18 through 20, and I know that nothing good lives in me that is in my sinful nature. I want to do what's right, but I can't. I want to do what's good, but I don't. I don't want to do what's wrong, but I do it anyway. But if I do what I don't want to do, I'm not really the one doing wrong. It's the sin living in me, and that does it. Now, I grew up in an era, I was born in 1960. How many remember Flip Wilson? This is where this phrase came from. The devil made me do it, honey. <laughs> That's where that came from. There's some people that want to use that as I don't, you know, we all know, we get it, we don't want to do something or we don't want to do that, we want to live this way, but then our flesh is saying this, this, and this. And we want to just put that off and blame that on, on, on our flesh, but what I'm going to show you is we can have a nature, a, a spirit nature, a, a spirit person, God, the Holy Spirit living in you that can be stronger than what your flesh wants. So look at verses 24 through 25. Oh, what a miserable person I am. How many have ever been miserable? I mean, you just know you're doing wrong. You know you need to get stuff right, but you're just miserable. Who will flee from me this life that's dominated by sin and death? Thank God the answer, check this out, is in Jesus Christ our Lord. So you see how it is. In my mind, I really want to obey God's laws, but because of my sinful nature, I'm a slave to sin. So here's what I'm trying to tell you this morning. The answer is not the principle. The answer is not a formula. The answer is in a person, and that person is Jesus Christ. That person is a relationship with Jesus Christ. He, everyone here has sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, but Jesus died for your sin. So that wonderful thing that's happened that he did 2,000 years ago, he will come in your heart. His spirit will come in and dwell inside you. Oh, somebody needs to get excited about the spirit of God that dwells inside you. I, I'm so stoked on the way I was going to Pastor Gary's last night, and I was taking Maddie to work first, and so Myers is, is on, kind of on my way. And you ever hear something? Man, I'm telling you, God, I, I could be in line at Cedar Point, and God gave me uh, you know, something, and I'd be like, oh, man, that's a great sermon title. So then I'd write it down on a hanky or something, you know, because I didn't have anything else, and stick it as long as it's in my pocket so I didn't blow my nose on it. <laughs> no fun to read a note when you've used it. Anyway, this is what I heard on the radio. I just heard this phrase, glow in the dark. And I got all excited. I'm like, glow in the dark. I'm, and Maddie's looking at me like, Dad, what's your problem? I'm like, glow in the dark. That's a great, I'm, oh, I'm going to do a series on glow in the dark. And she's like, okay. And I'll tell you what, it's going to start in April. And this is what I'm going to do. It. I'm going to do it on the gifts and the fruits of the Spirit. Because we live in a dark place. I mean, the world's not getting brighter, but we should be getting brighter. We should glow in the dark. Oh, this is going to be fun. Oh, I can't wait. I'm telling you, we're going, to, we're going to just knock this out of the park. I'm so stoked. Anyway, I left my daughter going, bye. And she's just like, yeah. <laughs> Paul goes on to say that this answer, this is Jesus. He said it's this Holy Spirit that controls him now. That spirit of God that's inside him. He is now yielded from himself to Jesus. How do we do that? When we let God be number one. That's how we do that. See, on our own, we can't do anything. We're weak, but with Christ, we are strong. It's empowering. 
If God lets me choose what I want most over what I want now. Everybody in here gets to live forever. Everybody. You get to choose where you want to go. So that's the important thing. That free will, God, let me choose you. When I choose God, when Christ comes in me, he then empowers me. There was a story of a man that he had a dream. And he said he was in a room. And Satan came in the room and was just slandering him and just saying, I'm going to kill you. I'm going to do this. And he was stricken by fear. You ever been so afraid you can't move? I mean, he was just like in his dream. Now, I've had dreams, and we probably all have, where you, you, know, you, you want to yell out and you can't, so it's kind of like, Dana! Dana! <laughs> you know, you sound like Forrest Gump on steroids or something. <laughs> anyway, I've had that, where you're wanting to yell out to Jesus, but you're so afraid. And he said he wanted to, and the enemy was laughing at him, and he was so afraid. And he said he finally got out, Jesus. He said immediately, he said Jesus came and was in front of him. And so now it was the devil, Jesus, and this dude. And, and Jesus, the devil was going, ah, and saying all this stuff. And Jesus was stepping back, just kept stepping back and didn't say anything. And the guy's like, Jesus, sick him. Go on, get him. And Jesus just take another step back. Now he's, he's like right in front of him. And he's like, hey, go on. And he's, he's up there. Don't back up. And he said, Jesus took another step back. And his, his foot went in this guy's foot. And his other foot went in his foot. And his arm went in his arm. And his arm went in this arm. And Jesus said, now you tell him. That's what this is about. That's this empowering Jesus that says, you know what? You don't have to take that stuff from him anymore. What would Jesus do? There's freedom today. Listen to this. Professor David Cole from Virginia Tech did research. He discovered 80% of Americans don't have any goals. 16% have goals, never write them down. 3% have goals, write them down, but never review them again. Only 1% in all the 1% that he's given, or he took this poll on, all of the 1%, in fact, were millionaires. Write them down, review them on a consistent basis. And he says, you cannot reach your potential without goals. That's crazy. We've been talking about vision. We've been talking about goals. But it's amazing. You know, this is what I've been doing. I'm just telling you stuff. I don't tell you to do stuff I don't do. For 30 days now, every day, I've been writing down my, my goals for 30 days. Now, I'd lie to you if I said, I just love that. But now it's just part of my morning because I've done it. I don't know how many days I'm involved in it now, but probably 20. I don't know. I'm almost done with it. And when I'm done with it, that's fine. Then I'll just go back and review them from time to time. But why am I doing that? There's a principle here. It's a discipline. Because I want to know where I'm going. Because if you don't know where you're going, how are you going to know when you get there? And something else. Don't you want to love it on the journey? Man, we used to, when we were kids, my sister's here, we'd go on vacation. My dad's back in the back there. We'd go on vacation. He'd cram us inside of a Ford Fairlane. Was it a Fairlane? Falcon. Excuse me. Falcon. Excuse me. Doesn't matter. No more room. And we would have to a destination. Men drive different than women. Because men 
by nature, almost are more competitive. You want to, you hate to pull over because you have to then let the people you passed go by you again. See, it's some man back, that's right. <laughs> Preach that, brother. When I was a kid, I didn't care about all that. We played, you know, the alphabet game in the car and, you know, all that kind of stuff. And we teased my mom and, you know, we had a lot of fun with that. Uh, but, you know, we, it was fun. Uh, but my whole thing was, I'm going to sleep. You might say, why? Because when I woke up, we could be at my destination. My sister used to get mad at me. She's like, you're just over there sleeping. Well, I was crammed in one side of the Falcon. Grandma was right here, and my sister was right here. There was no room to do nothing else. So you just, for eight hours, and if you had to go and tell him, he'd be like, hold it. Because we're trying to make some time. And he did let us go to the bathroom, so just to let my dad off the hook, he did once, <laughs> once in a while. Destination. Okay. I don't even know why I was telling that story, but anyway, let me go on. <laughs> People that are online, I, I don't really understand this, man. I got 168 hours in a week, you know, so if you want to know how I got that, think about 24 hours a day times seven, 168. 56 hours of that 168 hours you're going to be sleeping, that's eight hours a night. Some of you might sleep more, some of you may sleep less. Okay, so I'm just giving you. 40 hours in a work week, average full-time is 47, but let's just say 40. So if you take 168 minus 96, that is the 56 sleeping, the 40 working. You have 72 left in a week for your future. You're going to spend two hours eating in a week. Now, I don't know if that's true on every occasion. You may spend more, but especially if you're a mom with small kids, you might not get two hours to eat. You're always probably eating standing up or whatever. Or your grandma, grandpa, or, you know, just depending. Seven hours a week in your car, commuting to work, or some of you may have more. 2.5 hours a week getting ready. 22 minutes a day. Every man in here knows it only takes a woman 22 minutes to get ready. <laughs> just in case lightning comes. <laughs> I am very happy with the end result, though. I'm just saying. So I'm very, very blessed. So, you know... Um, 60 hours are left uh, in the week, uh, 8.5 hours a day. So that, and this isn't including the relationships you have, the, maybe yard work, laundry, doing the dishes, whatever that is, uh, errands, um, oil changes, renovation, whatever. I mean, this is just what's left in your week. What I'm trying to tell you is if you're not watching, life will just sweep you by life will just start taking it just happens you don't even have to do anything so you can either be disciplined to do something or you'll be disciplined to let it sweep you by but i'm here to tell you this morning on your very own you will never make what you need to be make uh be made into without god you will never be your potential without god he has made a way where there seems to be no way. He has got great plans for you. Your future is bright, but you have to let his spirit overtake you. Listen to this. 
The very same spirit that raised Christ from the grave lives in you. The very same spirit that turned the water into wine can live in you. The very same spirit that healed the woman with the issue of blood can live in you. The very same spirit that raised the dead lives in you. The very same spirit that parted the Red Sea in you. The spirit that supplied the loaves and the fish in you. The spirit that filled the jars of oil in you. Open blind eyes in you. Deaf ears in you. Lame to walk in you. The spirit that healed all of that, that did all of those things, can live and reign and rule inside you. It is Jesus. You can be spirit disciplined and to do what you need to do by the power of Christ. Let his spirit guide you. So how do we do it? How do we do it? Brett, what do we do? 1 Corinthians 9, 24 and 25. Don't you realize in this race everyone wins? Or everyone runs, excuse me, but only one person gets the prize. So run to win. All athletes are disciplined in their training. They do it to win a race that will fade away, but we do it for an eternal prize. So athletes are disciplined. They, they, they have a reason for doing that. Have you ever understood an athlete? Have you ever heard the term like what they have? A, you ever seen a boxing match? Have you ever watched Mr. T or Clubber and Rocky? Of course, this is a pretend boxing match. But, or Apollo and Rocky. You know, It's the same thing that happens in every boxing match. Whether it's movie or not, the, the boxers, the fighters, they're not looking at each other, smiling, going, Hi, how are you? Love your hair. Good. Oh, those are cute shorts. They're not doing anything like that, are they? No, they are just like game face. They're trying to intimidate their opponent. They're just staring at each other. You know, they're just doing all of that. Have you ever put yourself in the zone where you have said, I have made up my mind. I've got to do something about what, what is going on. I have not been, I'm going to make some disciplines to make this happen. I'm going to help you with that. So here is the second thought. Make God number one. You're running to win, not to place. Listen to me. You're running to win, not to place. What is your goal? Reach your goal. If you don't reach your goal, you're settling. Run to win. You don't... Now, this is going to sound like I'm just... I'm, I'm not trying to be... Um, I'm trying to be a coach and a cheerleader at the same time. But this is what you... You, you need to be getting involved in what God wants you to do. Not, not saying, you know what, God? I'll, I'll take the, the bronze... Because I really don't want to put forth a lot of effort. I'll take the silver. I'll put a little more effort. No, you want to get the gold. God, what do you want me to do? Help me knock this thing out of the park. We're going to run to win. How much more rewarding is it to make Jesus known around us? When we do and handle ourselves in such a way, again, not to push the message coming in April, glow in the dark, but we should be. There should be something different about you and me if we have Christ that people go, what is it with you? I mean, what is going on with you? I don't get it. People that don't even know you should be able to go, I don't know. There's something about if you are so full of God, there are people that don't know God will be like, oh. I've walked into gas stations. And this isn't to give me. I'm just saying I've walked into gas stations. People wind up at, at a speedway. to get. I don't know anybody. I walked in there and the teller goes, all right, all right, I'll go to church. Leave me alone. And everybody in the whole store looked around and looked at me, and I said, okay. <laughs> Went to get my Diet Mountain Dew, and I was gone. 
that was way back in the day. But what I'm just saying is God should be coming out of us. Moses went up to the mountain. He came down. There's no question he'd been with God. People were like, he was glowing in the dark. Jesus is our secret weapon. We need to be spirit disciplined, not just self-disciplined, but Lord, what do you want? For me. Verse 26 and 27 of that same chapter. I run with purpose. Everybody say purpose. In every step. I'm not just shadow boxing. In other words, I'm doing this on purpose. We are a church that is not church as usual. That lives life on purpose. We don't just do stuff. We do it with a purpose. We don't just go to say, I want to be in the race. I just want to place. It's okay if you did your best and you placed. I get it. You didn't get the gold. Big deal. Okay. But I'm just saying if your sights were never on the gold... Maybe we need to relook at ourselves because I think you're more valuable than you think you are. <laughs> I hope I'm speaking to somebody. You should have an, you know, back in the old time they called it an unction. You know what an unction is? Unction is like something in your knower. Like you just know something. If you're a woman, you probably call it discernment. I just know. I just know, you know, or whatever. And, and there's variations of both of those. Just because, you, you know, it, it just depends on how that goes. But an unction. What if God, what if God said, I want to use you? You see, in the world, we think you've got to look like Ken and Barbie. Everything has to be completely perfect. Nothing can be broken. If it's broken, the world throws it away. In the kingdom, if it gets broken, that's when God says, now I can use it. Because then he fixes it. We have to be dependent on Jesus. You see, I, I've got disciplines that I do. I want to run with purpose in every step. I'm choosing what I want most over what I want now. And I gave this example, and I'll just quickly give it again. At my house today, my wife made meatloaf. I know it's getting close to lunch. I love meatloaf. And she, she made mashed potatoes with sour cream and cream cheese, and they're just going to be really good. And some kind of a green bean casserole thing that just shouts, please shove me in your mouth. But, because I started this new regiment for myself, what I want now will not get me what I want most. Can I have that? I'm sure I can. Could I have it? Sure I could. Will I have it? Not today I won't. Because what I want most, I have to make some traction. Does that make sense? So, we get, this, we get the opportunity to choose. Isn't that wonderful about God? Choose this day who you will serve. As for me and my house, I will serve the Lord. You get to choose. Everybody in here gets to live forever. Everybody. Heaven or hell, you get to choose. Smoking or non-smoking. But you get to choose. That your mind, your will, and your emotions, your soul. You get to choose. That's why this is so important to have discipline. Lord, help me. See, for me, for what I believe God wants me to do and for what is coming ahead, I have to choose what I want most 
over what I want now. If I went to my sisters, I'd have the same dilemma, just so that you know, chicken and dumplings. <sighs> They're like angels in heaven. I think we should go down and eat. <laughs> I would love to go and eat at her house too, but I will have that someday. I believe I'm looking at people that are going to be world changers. I'm going to help you with this. God is directing and ordering your steps. Now, everybody in here just know, if you're not on my regiment, you can have chicken and dumplings and you can have meatloaf. So it's all clear for you. I'm just saying for me. I'm just telling you uh, what, what's happening to me. We have the power to choose. You might say, you know, it's easy for you, Brett, because you're the preacher. Where does that come in? I, so what? Rob's a plumber. He still has to choose. My dad's retired. He still has to choose. It doesn't, choice is yours. Choose this day, Joshua says. It doesn't matter your occupation. Still, Christ in you is your choice to operate in spirit dominion of Jesus. If we don't have a choice, then the cross is nothing. If Jesus could have never sinned, then the cross is worthless. But because he had a choice, come on. He could have, he just didn't. That's what makes that cross so priceless. Here's our thought number three. Keep it simple. Sometimes we just have to prioritize what we need to do most. What's most important? I don't know what your goals are. I don't know what you've written down. I'm encouraging you to do that. What's most important? In your daily routine, you should have maybe five, six, or even seven. You could have ten, but I'm just saying a day, five, six, or seven, what you want to get done. And out of that, what are two or three that have to get done? What will you have to do that if you don't do it, will, you know, there'll be consequences? These have to get done. What will happen? If you don't get to the others, then you'll just put them on the list tomorrow. And then maybe they'll be more important. I don't know. I mean, but what has to happen today? Simplify your life. So many times, don't you feel like this? It's just, I got to do this. I got to do this. I got to do this. And so you feel like, Cinderella, Cinderella, night and day. It's Cinderella. Wash the clothes and do the dishes. I mean, you know, <laughs> we grew up with four kids. And I'd come home from the office and my wife would be like, yes, yes, talk to me. Because all she got all day was, Mommy, Mommy, Mommy! I want orange juice. He's breathing my air. He took my Cheetos! <laughs> so she's like, just talk to me. How'd your day go? And I would just be like, good. That's it? <laughs> you know, she's just like, I need some talk. Talk, talk. So what I'm saying is, we've got a pro what has to get done today? So that you can take some of the pressure off. What do you need? If you organize it and you discipline yourself, you'll find you'll get momentum. It's like a snowball rolling downhill. Let me give you an example. I get up early. I spend time with God. I get up at, at 5.30 uh, nearly every day. Now, some days I may sleep in a little bit. Friday's my day off, so sometimes I'll get up at 6 or 6.15. But, you know, like last night, I didn't sleep well last night. I made the mistake. I went to Pastor Gary's church, and I got a cup of coffee called Jamaica Me Crazy. Two in the morning, I would have snapped, slapped any Jamaican out of scene. Because I could not keep my, I mean, I just like, oh, I'm flipping, flopping, and, you know, my feet. I just wanted to run, and I'm just like, I'm like, oh, I went down. Finally, just got my pillows and went down to the couch. And, you know, down there, I'm like rolling over going, oh, it's 220. Oh, now it's 314. Oh, 
And I still woke up at 5.30 because there's an internal clock that goes, bing. You make me crazy. <laughs> Here's a scenario. So I get up early. When I get up, it lets me know I'm disciplined. It makes me know I put him first. I start thinking about God and loving him and him living in me. And then I do my devotions and, uh, you know, I need to work out. So I'm done praying. I go and I work out. And, and so I'm trying to keep this temple in good shape. And so then I start feeling good about myself because I've done the things I'm supposed to do in the morning for me. So, you know, doesn't that make you, when you start doing what you're supposed to do, doesn't it make you feel good about yourself? It, so that helps you. Sometimes don't you hate to work out and as soon as you're done you feel better because you're like glad I did it? That same feeling. It's just, okay, I get it. So I feel good about myself, so I'm feeling better. It leads me to a good attitude. Helps me realize that he leads me by his spirit. I'm having spirit dominion now. God is taking good care of me. All because I got out of bed early. Now let's go the opposite way. If I don't get out of bed, I'm tired, I'm irritable, I feel guilty for sleeping in, I'm agitated, I'm grumpy, I'm lazy, still feel tired, not motivated, not productive, out of shape, not happy with myself because I do nothing to change it. Give me another Twinkie. Have to stay late because I'm too moody to get anything done on time. I speed home, get stopped by a policeman. Try to outrun him because I'm in no mood to put up with him. I'm now on the 6 o'clock news due to the chase. They have a chopper. They barricade the road, pull me out of the car. Arrest me for resisting arrest. I'm on America's Most Wanted. Church is in the dilemma all because I didn't get out of bed. Now, I'm exaggerating, and I didn't put God first. God helps you choose. What's in it for you? What, what is it that you need to do? I'm going to ask you two questions, and then we'll be finished. This will help you today. I'm going to keep it simple. So if you feel overwhelmed, these two questions will help you. Number one, what do you want most? I want you to think about it, and I want you to write it down. What do you want most? What is it that you want most? You might say, I want peace in my house, or I want finances, or I want to be debt-free. I don't know what you want. Whatever that is, what do you want most? What is it that you want most? Is it weight? Do you want to lose weight? You know, uh, I don't know. Do you want to lose 5 pounds, 10 pounds, 30 pounds, 50 pounds? You know, I, I don't know. Do you want more friendships? Then, you know, all those kind of things. If you want uh, whatever, find out what you want most. If you want to get close to God, uh, write the vision and make it plain. And I'm going to ask you this question number two. This is a discipline that will add to your life that will help you glorify God. One discipline that will add to your life. So here's question two. What do you need to do? now to have what you want most what do you need to do now to have what you want most what discipline do you need to do now that will help you get what matters most to you and lead you to glorify god so if you're saying if, if it was weight you're saying i want to get in shape what's that look like how do you do that what do you need to do now do you need a you know a meal plan of some kind or a diet or you need to exercise or whatever do you have equipment at your house? Do you need to hire a trainer? I don't know. What do you want? Um, you know, I know how that is. I used to manage a fitness center. I know, I mean, used to train people all the time. So what do you want? Those are expensive. You can go to Planet Fitness now. Here's a plug for them for 10 bucks a month. If you don't have equipment, that's pretty cheap, 10 bucks a month. Now you do have to go there and, you know, it's not at home, so it's not as convenient. But sometimes if you invest in something, obviously you can get more out of it. So if you put an investment in there, you know, we've done some things here at the church, and we'll do them again with Dave Ramsey and Pastor Gary. They both have getting out of debt plans and getting out of financial, you know, all of those things. 
and, uh, and there's money that are on those plans. We didn't put it there. That's what those plans cost. Some people go, I don't want to pay that. Not, and I get it. I understand. But if you invest in it, you'll be more apt to finish it and do it than if it is given to you. How many understand that? Have you ever given something to somebody and because there was nothing that cost them, they, they, don't have the, they don't value it like if you've invested in it? You know, my first car was $300. 300 smackeroos. You can't even buy a brake pedal for 300 bucks anymore. $300. I remember I hadn't even seen the car till my dad pulled it into the drive. It was a 1968 uh, Pontiac Catalina. It was a boat. Aye, aye, Captain. I mean, but you know what? Because I invested 300 smackaroonies of my own money in it, it was the most awesome vehicle. I loved that car. And it ran good, and I kept it clean. And some people would say, like, man, what are you cleaning that old boat for? Because it's mine. Invest in it. What is it that you could do? Maybe if it's get closer with your spouse, let's pick a devotion and do that. Just pray with her. Read the devotion. When I read the devotion to Kim, it takes just a couple minutes to read it. When I pray with her, we don't pray. It's not long, and believe it, it's not King James or anything. I'm not, thou givest me thy woman, and I thank you for thou beauty. Oh, Father God, that looketh down on me as we pray. I don't do any of that. This, you know, I'm just, we read the devotion, I hold her hand, and I say something like, Father, I just thank you for Kim. Let her know how valuable she is to me. Thank you, God, that she's the best mother ever. Let her have a great day. Thank you, she's my wonderful wife, and whatever that is. I'm done. And then she prays for me and says something similar, the same thing. Probably 30 seconds to a minute, and we're done. Then, you know, our days are, I've already been up. I've already done my devotion. I've already worked out. She's getting her day ready. She's about to go to the gym, or she's going to go do whatever she needs to do. And, and we'll get back together, you know, whatever time and all of that stuff. So you got to figure that out. What could you do? Maybe you're saying, you know what, I'll start tomorrow. Procrastinators unite tomorrow. <laughs> you know, that's what happens with us, and I'm guilty of it as well. Tomorrow becomes the next day, and the next day, and the next day. Sometimes you do need to get your mind involved. That's that zone. you got to get your mind ready. I'm ready to do this. So if you get your mind, because a man thinks in his heart, so is he. So you need to get your mind involved. But here's what I want you to do. Ask God... God, what is it? Help me to, you know, and let him show you, and then you make the choice. One small thing that most won't see will result in very major things that many will want when the goal is reached. You know, I lost 65 pounds in four months once the weight was gone. People were like, how did you do that? Didn't have so many ask me along the way as when it got there. Does that make sense? Because they see, but it was consistent disciplines that were happening every day that made that get possible. Little things that no one sees result in the major things that everyone wants. Little things that no one sees result in the major things that everyone wants. When we choose or we will choose what we want most over what we want now because we discipline our bodies like an athlete in training. So what is it that you want most? I'm finished. I got to ask you, if you were saying, I don't want to leave this service the same as I came in. And for those that are watching online, maybe that's what you're saying as well. I, you're not here physically, but I'm speaking to you. Those two questions could change everything. What do you want? If you define it, how will you get it? 
And again, this is all understanding that the Spirit of God that lives in you is helping to guide and orchestrate that. Did you know that God wants to pull those things out of you so you can walk in victory? He wants you to be blessed. The Bible says he'll bless the work of your hands. You know, in, in heaven, math is the same thing. Zero and zero is zero in, in heaven. So if your hands are doing nothing and you're letting life just take you by the tide, if you want something different than you've always had, you've got to do something different than you've always done. I challenge you this morning. Start getting goal-oriented. Write yourself down. Even some things to do each day. Again, maybe five things. And out of those five, what two have to be done that day? I mean, you, you really want to accomplish those two. If nothing else happens, you got to get these two things done. And then put the other three on the next day. But if you can get them all done, I mean, all the better. But what do you want most more than you want now? I told you this illustration, and then I'm going to pray. I gave a bunch of youth uh, in a meeting I did one time. I told everybody I, at the beginning of the meeting, I said, man, everybody in here is going to get a, a, a Snickers fun size bar. And, you know, most kids like chocolate. So we handed them out. When it was time for me to speak, we gave all these kids these Snicker. Well, we gave them Milky Way. Now, I said Snicker. I gave them Milky Way on purpose. Still a good chocolate bar. Some of you girls or guys are like, I like Milky Way better. I get that. But listen to the illustration. I said, if you hold on to your Milky Way, you can trade it in for your Snicker at the end of the service. If you like Milky Way better than your Snicker, don't eat it, just save it, and then we'll know. Okay, everybody understand the rules, all the kids. Yeah, did you know that over 50% of them ate their Milky Way and wanted a Snicker? You know why? Because the choice for now and most now was screaming louder because they weren't disciplined to think, what do I really want most? So if you leave the service today and say, Pastor just gave me a green light to go eat as many Snicker bars or Milky Ways. <laughs> yes. I'm just telling you, choose. Ask yourself. This is going to be your best year yet. Great things are in store for you. We're leaving for it. Pastor Kim and I are cheering you all along the way. I want you to take the reins of your life and let the Spirit of God lead you. And you'll never be the same. Bow your heads, close your eyes.